Life before City Hope was lonely. We had lived in Wichita Falls for a year before we found City Hope Church, and we struggled to find connection and community and a place that we could really dig in and serve and give, um, but also find people that we could call family and that we could do life with. The year before we found City Hope, James had just gotten a job at Southwest Airlines, and I was alone all by myself with five kids. I didn't have friends that could step in. I didn't have those friends that would just walk in my door. Now I'm gonna get emotional. I hated it here. I really hated it. I wanted to move. I had conversations daily with James that my bags were almost packed and I wasn't gonna stay. And then we found City Hope and it gave me a place to connect, it gave me community, and it gave me friends that became family. So freedom really opened my eyes to the power of prayer. It's something that I always craved and that I wanted, but I had no idea what it looked like. And by the time January rolled around, I just had decided that I was gonna go for it. I was gonna go all in. There were a couple of things that were powerful for me. One was watching how other people pray. I think growing up, I had this idea that you have to sit in this chair. This was gonna be my prayer chair. Um, you had to sit in a chair with your cup of coffee, quiet in the dull glow of a beautiful lamp with your book in your lap, and that was prayer time. And what I watched was something completely different. People walking in circles, people um, singing and worshiping, um, people crying out to God in a very loud and real way. Um, I found myself one of the first couple of times completely immersed in, in the feeling of the Holy Spirit kind of washing over me and thinking, this is different. This is something that I want to do all the time. Um, and I was able to walk through ways to pray. Um, knowing that I can break generational ties, the power of my tongue and my willingness to show up and call out to God and ask Him to break those curses in my family. In 21 days of prayer, I started praying over that. I started asking and begging and crying out, and I've seen drastic changes, and it's been a ripple effect in my whole family. I like to be in control of things know anything about me and I realize that I can't control people but what I can do is sit on my knees and cry out every single morning and I can ask God to move mountains and to do things that I didn't even think were possible because um, he can do that Woo! come on somebody let's give Jesus praise today come on let's just give God thanks for his goodness y'all glad to be at church today if, if, you're, if you're watching online, joining online, you might hear some people in the room. We've got our worship and production teams here and some other dream teamers. We're getting ready to uh, uh, take some inventory as we close down shop here at McNeil Middle School and we get ready to move into our Cedar Elm campus. So, so you might hear them throughout the service today. We didn't go back to church online or to church in person. You're not missing anything today, all right? I want you to know that. So there's a few things... You know, there are things in life that I love, and there are things in life that I like. Like, I, I like playing golf. I recently started playing golf again, 
and I'm enjoying it. It's fun. It's a hobby for me to just kind of get away from things and just, just play around. I, I'm enjoying it. I like it. Okay, I, I cycle some. I'm not a cyclist. I wouldn't say I'm a cyclist. I would say I have a bicycle and I ride 25 miles sometimes, right? I like it. It's, it's enjoyable. But I love my wife. Right? There's a difference between liking something and loving something. I love my wife. I love my boys. I love this church. In fact, we, ha we have decided as a family, we're going to give our lives for the call of Jesus Christ. We're committed to the local church. We love City Hope Church. And, and I want to build his church. I, I want to I see the house of God built up and I want it to grow. But I've been reminded lately the last the last few weeks god has just been giving me these gentle reminders that it's not my church to build you heard me it's not my church to build and, and we're going to talk about that today as we launch into this new season of having our own facility our own building i want to give us some reminders i want to remind us of a few things today I want us to, I don't want us to major on minors. I, I want us to focus on what really matters. I want us to focus on the things that really, really count. So I'm going to give you three quick things today. In fact, I feel like today's message is just a hodgepodge of things that Jesus has been talking to me about. These are three things that I want to remind us of who City Hope is and, and what we believe. And, and this is at the core what, what church is really all about. And the first thing I want to remind you of is this. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about you and me. It's not about what we want. It's not about our preferences. Church, Christianity is all about Jesus. It's all about him. And in case you're wondering, in case, in case you've, you've been wondering, I wonder... I wonder what's going through Pastor Ben's mind. I wonder how he feels about this. I wonder, I wonder what he thinks about this over here. I just want to be really clear today, and I, and I want to tell you that it's always been about Jesus, it always is about Jesus, and it will always be about Jesus. Church, Christianity, the movement of God is about Jesus. And Jesus said it this way in John chapter 14. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, hey, y'all, it's all about me. Jesus said it's all about me because no one can come to the Father. No one can get to heaven. No one can experience eternal life with the Father in heaven unless they come through me first. It's all about me, Jesus says. It's all about Jesus. The second thing I want to give us today is this, that the building that we're about to move to is not the finish line. Man, I, I, I just, I want to talk for a minute about this because it, it, it's, it's not the finish line. It, it, it's not what we're giving to today. Think about it like this. We're in a marathon, not a sprint. We're in a marathon and, and, and we're carrying a baton. Man, if we were in a race, if, if we were in a relay race, we'd be carrying a baton and we want to make sure that we pass the baton to the next person 
correctly. We want to make sure that they, that they pick it up from us, that, that, that they can still run and they can still win the race. And what, what I'm saying today is that we're in, a, we're in a marathon. We're not in a sprint. We're carrying a torch. We're carrying a flame. We're going to pass it to the next generation. This building isn't the finish line. So I don't want us to get comfortable. I don't want us to relax and think, oh man, finally, we're a real church. <laughs> I've heard that one a few times. Like, man, yeah, I would come to, I'd come to City Hope, but, you know, I just don't know if it's going to make it in school. I, you know, I, I just don't know if y'all are a real church. Hey, this isn't about that at all. We don't even need a church building. Can I, can I get a witness? We can have church wherever we want to. So I don't want us to get comfortable. I don't want us to relax. In, 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 in a race, in a marathon, that runner is running. And they grab a cup of water off the table. Maybe somebody hands them a cup of water. They splash it in their face. They gulp it down and they keep running. They don't stop. They keep running. And I want to encourage you today. If you need to catch your breath, catch your breath. But get back in the race. Get back in. Don't, don't give up keep serving keep running keep loving keep being generous keep giving and I want to remind you this that you're not giving towards a building today when you give in the heart for the house it's not towards a building you're giving towards a vision you're giving towards a cause here's what you're doing see, see we don't need we don't need a, a traditional building to be the church we don't need stained glass we don't need a steeple we don't even need four walls to be the church. Y'all out there today? Come on, we don't need that. We can do ministry from a place like a gymnasium at McNeil Middle School. We don't need a building to be the church. And so when you give to heart for the, the house today, I want you to know it's not going towards a building. It's not going towards a facility you're giving towards lives being changed in the name of Jesus. You're giving towards marriages being healed in the name of Jesus. You're giving towards addicts being delivered and set free in the name of Jesus. You're giving towards kids that'll be called into the ministry, that'll make a difference in this city, in this state, in this nation, in the world. That's what you're giving to. It's not giving towards a building. You're not giving towards brick and mortar. You're giving to help people know God, find freedom, discover his purpose, and make a difference. That's what you're giving to. You're, you're giving hope in the mighty name of Jesus. That's what you're doing. And so as we move into this new building over the next month, I, I want to just tell you, our vision is not going to slow down. We're not going to get comfortable. If anything, I believe our, our vision is going to be accelerated. I believe that more people than ever before are going to be looking to City Hope Church for the answer. And the answer is, it's all about Jesus right so let me give you this today let me tell you that the greater our resources the greater our responsibility see see God's given us a, a new building he's given us a facility that will facilitate ministry he's given us a great a great resource and that means we have a great responsibility it means that, that he's asking us, he's entrusting us with souls. He's entrusting us with people. He's, he's entrusting us with the souls of people. Their, eternal, their, their eternity is in our hands as a church. He's, he's entrusting us. And the Bible says in Luke 12, it says that from everyone who has been given much, I want you to hear me today, we've been given much. We've been given a 33,000 square foot building. 
Not literally. We're paying the least for it, right? We're making, we're making lease payments, but he's provided that for us. He's, been, he's given us much. Now, much will be demanded of us. And from the one who has been entrusted with much to the one that Jesus has given much, he's entrusted us with this building in the middle of homes, in the middle of apartments, a block away from Midwestern State University. He is holding us responsible for that. I want you to know that. And I want you to feel that responsibility. I don't want you to shrug that responsibility. He, he, he's given us a resource. Let's use it wisely in the name of Jesus. And number three is this. Heaven and hell are real. I don't ever want us to forget that heaven and hell are real. It's all about Jesus. This building that he's provided for us isn't the finish line. We don't stop there. It's not a stopping point. It's a starting point. Because heaven and hell are real. Let me say it this way. Heaven is the finish line. Heaven is where we're headed. And here's the thing. Everyone you know, everyone you know, is going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And so as a church, what we've got to do, it's our responsibility to do everything we can short of sin. I'm talking we will do anything short of sin to help people find and follow Jesus Christ. We'll do it. We'll help people find and follow Jesus. That's what he's called us to do. So let me say it this way. As long as there are rapes and robberies and violent crimes in Wichita Falls, guess what? There's work to be done. As, as long as there are addicts walking the streets and there's rehab centers in our community, there is work to be done. As long as there's a prison and a county jail, there is work to be done. As long as there are strip clubs and mental health hospitals, there is work to be done. As long as there is foster kids in the foster care system, there is work to be done. We can't stop. Heaven and hell are real. And Jesus said it this way in John 10. He says, the thief comes to keep people in bondage. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to, to make sure that the foster kids never get out. He comes to make sure that the strip clubs and the mental health hospitals stay at full capacity. He comes to, to make sure that people remain in bondage. But Jesus came that they may have life. And not just not just a little bit of life, but life to the full. See, some translations say abundant life. And, and the word for that, it's a Greek word called parasos. And it literally means this. When Jesus said, I've come that they might have abundant life, it, it means this. I came that they might have excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, more than sufficient, super abundance kind of life. Sign me up for that. That's the kind of life I want. So it's our responsibility to reach as many people as we can for the, for the name, for the cause of Jesus Christ. Not so they can just get to heaven, that's the finish line, but so that they can have abundant life here on earth. Y'all with me today? That's my prayer. That's what I want. That's what I'm believing. And so those are just three reminders that I, I just felt like I needed to share with you this week. But over, over the last several weeks... Um, I've been working on a message, and, and every week, I, I, thought it was for the, I thought it was for that week, and then God would, he would shift my, my focus, and I would end up preaching something else, and I really believe that God 
was saving this message for today. He was, he was saving this for today. So in Matthew 16, Jesus begins to have this open and honest discussion with his disciples about who he really is. And, and I, I kind of came across this in my one-year Bible reading. If you, if you don't have a daily Bible reading, the one-year Bible... Is, is so good I, I challenge you I'm encouraging you right now to, if you haven't started it start it now and in a year you will have read the Bible in a year if you, if you stick to that every day a couple maybe five to seven chapters a day so I was reading in my scripture and I came across Matthew 16 but I also came across Psalm 127 and, and I want to share both of those with you Matthew 16 now and then Psalm 127 here in just a little bit but what I want to do is I want to read this scripture from Matthew. I want to give you three truths, three things that kind of come to mind, but then I want to give you three action items, okay? So Matthew chapter 16 says this. Jesus is having this discussion. He says, who do people say that I am? And they say, oh, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. And he asked his disciples, he said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And then Peter pipes up. He says, you're the Messiah. I mean, you're, you're, the, you're the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, well, Peter, good job, man. He says, I'm proud of you. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because you, this wasn't told to you by gossip or rumor or it wasn't the word on the street. It wasn't flesh and blood, but it was my father in heaven who revealed this to you. And he says, I tell you that you are Peter. The word Peter, Petros, is a little stone. Hey, you, you are a little stone. And then Jesus says, and on this rock. See, some denominations think Jesus was talking about Peter. On, on this rock. Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. But I really don't think that was the case at all. I think, see, Jesus is referred to as the cornerstone, the living stone, He's the most important piece of the foundation. I believe he says, and on this rock, talking about himself, I'll build my church. Are you following me? So Peter, you're part of it. You're a little stone. You're part of the overall foundation. You're part of the church, but the church is gonna be built on me, Jesus. I'll build my church, and check this out, the gates of Hades. Boy, I tell you what, it's hotter than Hades here in Texas right now. The gates of Hades. Some translations say the gates of hell. If you're from the south, it's hail. It's two syllables. The gates of hail. They won't overcome it. Now, now next verse, Jesus says, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build my church. It's going to be built on me, and the gates of hell won't prevail. And I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he said, by the way, just don't talk about this right now with anybody else. Just, just keep quiet and don't tell anybody that I'm the Messiah. So there's three things I see in this passage of Scripture. And I, I've read it already, so now I'm just going to point those three things out. All right? And the first thing is this. I want to remind you, hey, we're the church. We are the church. Right now, you're watching this at home, sitting at your breakfast table or sitting up in bed in your PJs with eating Cheerios, and you're watching this message right where you are you're the church the church isn't a building right you are the church we are little stones we're the church and, and and check this out 
The church isn't a collection of nice people who do nice things, who are morally and ethically correct. It's, that's not what the church is. The church isn't a place you go, it's who you are. And you are the church. See, see the church doesn't exist for you. I love to remind you, church, City Hope, that the church isn't for us. The church is not for us. We are the church, and we exist for people who don't know Jesus Christ. We exist for them, and every day, people that you know are struggling, and they're, 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 they're losing the battle with depression. They're losing the battle with drug addiction. They're losing the battle with fear. And you may not know, you may not be the expert on it. You may not have all the answers, but you do have the answer. I'll say that again. You may not have all the answers for them, but you have the answer, Jesus Christ. And you have a direct 911 line to the great physician, the one who can heal, the one who can save, the one who can set free. You're the church. And we, we are little stones that Jesus is building up. He's, he's building into the foundation of the church. He's building the capital C church with us. He's moving in people's lives, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, and he's using us to do that. We are the church. Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way, that together, when we're in unity, together, we are his house. We, not, hey, we before me, always at City Hope. Not me, I'm, I'm not his church, we are his church. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone, the most important piece of the foundation is Christ Jesus himself. And we, we are carefully joined together in him. He's building us up, becoming a holy temple of the Lord. So I want to remind you, I, I want to give you this truth today that you are the church. So here's the action item. Don't just go to church. Be the church. <laughs> In Alabama, uh, just north of, of, it's kind of between Montgomery and Birmingham, there's this sign on the interstate on this beautiful piece of property. And, and uh, it, has, it says, go to church or the devil will get you. <laughs> All right? That really is a terrible reason to go to church. And so I'm, I'm saying don't just go to church because you're afraid the devil will get you. Go to church because you are the church. You are the church. All right, number two, the second thing I want to give you today is that Jesus is going to build his church. It's not up to me, right? I'm so glad I don't have to do the heavy lifting. I, I'm not building his church. Jesus is going to build his church. And this is the first time that the word church is used in Scripture. Jesus says, I will build my church. It's the first time he uses this word. And the, the Greek word for church is ekklesia. Ekklesia. It literally means this. It, it means a gathering. It means the called out ones. So, so Jesus says, I will build my, the ones that I've called out. And he calls us out so that we will call others out. Okay, we're the called out ones. He called us out and now he has, he has this expectation on us that we're going to call others out so uh, let me let me be clear though there's no pressure there's no pressure for you to fix somebody there's no pressure for you to save anyone there's no pressure for you to answer all of their questions and solve all of their problems but I, I do want to ask you this 
Okay, Jesus said he will build his church. But let me ask you, how will Jesus build his church? He'll, he'll do it through people like you and me. He, he builds his church through people like us. He called us out, and then he says, I want you to call somebody else out. Ecclesia. Ecclesia. I want you to call them out. So he's not looking for superheroes. He's not looking for people with capes and masks. He's looking for people just like you and me, normal, average, everyday people who don't have their act together. And he says, I think I can use somebody like you. Come on. So here's the deal. You can do something I can't do. And I can do something that you can't do. So you have a circle of influence. You have people in your life that I don't have access to. And back in the day, it was all up to the preacher to go witness, to go door to door, to share, the, share his faith. But that really wasn't biblical at all. Because according to scripture, we're all ministers. We all have a part to play in this. So you have, a, you have a circle of influence. You have people in your life that you can tell your story to. You can be a witness to them. And being a witness isn't, isn't telling them how bad they are. It's just telling them how good God has been to you. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to say that again. Being a witness isn't telling them how messed up they are and how they need to get their life together. It's telling them what the difference God has made in you. And so you can do something I can't do. You, you can minister to that circle of influence. But I can do something you can't do. I can spend my time during the week preparing a message, preparing a worship experience, leading this church in a way that when you bring your friends to church with you, it's, it's, it's going to be an environment where they go, man, this is what church is? Where have I been all this time? Why didn't you invite me sooner? Man, I didn't know it was like this. And they come to know Jesus Christ. So we can work together. God uses people like us to build his church. Ephesians 4, chapter 11 says, these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And what is, why did he do that? He gave them these responsibilities to equip God's people for what? To do his work. Why? To build up the church. <laughs> he uses people like us to build the church, the body of Christ. So here's the action step. Use your gifts to build up his church. Today's step three of the growth track we're talking about leadership in that, in that step of the growth track. Use your gifts. Some of you are so gifted. You're so talented. You, God has put things inside of you, but you've told yourself, you've tricked yourself into believing that God could never use someone like you. I'm just gonna go ahead and call it as a lie from the pit of hell. That's what it is. Don't hold back. Use your gifts to build up his church. The third thing that, that I see in this scripture is that the gates of hell won't prevail Jesus says you're part of the church you're part of the foundation you're, you're the church it's going to be built on me and the gates of hell won't prevail <laughs> this, is, this is good see the gates of Hades is, uh, is a term that literally means the power of death the power of death so he says 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my church and the power of death can't stop it. So in other words, he says, my death won't stop it. He looks, at, he looks at Matthew and he says, Matthew, your death won't stop it. He looks at James and says, James, your death won't stop it. Uh, John, your death won't stop it. Judas, your death is actually going to speed it up quite rapidly. Uh, I thought that was funny, though. I, I hope you all are laughing at home. Judas, your, your, your death's going to speed it up, brother. Right? Uh, he looks at Levi. Levi, your death, it, it, it won't stop it. Peter, you're, you're going to die a really crazy death. You're going to die upside down, but it's not going to stop it either. And so here's the deal. Satan wants to do whatever he can to keep us from experiencing hope in Jesus Christ. The power of hell is constantly bombarding people. And he's trying to keep people hopeless. Because if they're hopeless, guess what? They never have hope. If they're hopeless, if they feel like they, they, they have no hope, then that's exactly where the enemy wants them. So... so our friends, our family, our co-workers, they're seeing some pretty scary things in life right now. They're, they're being told all over social media, all over the news. They're, they're being told about COVID. There's, there's conspiracies. There's the racial tension that we have in our nation. There's, there's uh, uh, the elections that are coming up and, and all of these things. And, and people are, are freaking out. People are worried. You've seen it. You've seen it in family. You've seen it in friends and co-workers. And I want you to know today that Jesus Christ is bigger than the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. He's bigger. He's greater. He's stronger. Romans 8 37 says it this way, that despite all of these things that we're facing in life right now, say this with me, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. <laughs> Despite everything that's going on right now, all the worry and the fear and the anxiety that's being stirred up, overwhelming victory. It's already a done deal. Jesus settled it on the cross. It's through Christ who loved us. Verse 38 says this. It goes on to say that I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us. No thing Nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell themselves can separate us from God's love. Verse 39, he says, no, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord nothing can separate us everybody say nothing nothing can separate us so here's the action step shut the hell up I've been waiting for this shut the hell up Martha did you hear what he just said I believe the preacher's cussing online no 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 I'm not, I'm not cussing I'm just simply saying there's hell in your life and I'm just telling you to shut the hell up. Turn to your neighbor right now, wherever you are, say, shut the hell up. Just, sh just shut it up. I just don't know if I can keep going to that church. Listen, here's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not trying to be offensive or cuss. I'm simply saying hell is trying to distract you 
Hell is trying to manipulate you. The power of hell is constantly try, trying to convince lost people that they're saved and save people that they're lost. And he's trying to convince you that you'll never be overcome. You'll never be victorious. You'll always be an addict. The power of hell is playing games with your mind. It's causing you to doubt God. It's telling you that you'll never be good enough. You'll never measure up. It's claiming you'll never be healed. You'll always have this crutch. You'll always have that issue. Constantly pouring negativity in your life. And it's time to turn to hell and say, shut the the hell up no more no more the power of hell Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail so shut it up push it out push it back shut shut it up <laughs> I know my message hasn't been very humor, humorous today except that part pretty funny I'll admit caught you off guard right uh, and if you were offended by that, then, then can I just ask you, are you also offended by the fact that about 38,000 people die and go to hell every day? I hope you'd be more offended at that than you would my point. See, a few, a few weeks ago I was reading in Matthew 16, and I got to Psalm 127 in the one-year Bible. And I came across a scripture that really stuck out to me. It was written by King Solomon. He's the richest man. Some say he's the richest man who's ever lived. He's also known as the wisest man to have ever lived. I mean, this, this guy was wise. But I'm not sure how wise he was because he had 700 wives and 300 mistresses. I don't know if I'd call that wisdom. Uh, one one uh, college professor has a theory that he had that many wives and mistresses so that when he came home from work every day, at least one would be happy. That's, that, was his, that was his theory. <laughs> I don't, so I don't know how wise he was, really. But uh, he's the son of the beloved King David. Oh, King David was awesome. His birth is the result of an affair between King David and Bathsheba. Solomon was a poetical and proverbial master. He wrote 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 psalms. Songs. And the interesting thing is, out of the, out of the 1,000 psalms he wrote, only two of them are recorded in our scripture. He built the first temple of God. David, his father, set him up. He, David had saved and, and resourced him in a great way. He set him up for success to build this temple. See, the Ark of God at that time was always housed in a tent. It had never had a permanent dwelling. For 400 years, it dwelled in a tent. And Solomon went all out to build the first temple of God. Every square inch of this place was finished to perfection. I mean, every, every corner. It required over 153,000 workers to complete it over a seven-year period of time, costing billions of dollars in today's money. I mean, just incredible. And, and I, I think, I'm taking some liberty here, but I, I think it started out as a project fully devoted to God. I really do. On the dedication day of this temple, the Bible says that Solomon offered somewhere around 340,000 
sacrifices. <laughs> That's pretty significant. The Bible says that God was so pleased with it that he showed up in, in a powerful way. A cloud came from heaven and filled the place and people couldn't even perform their duties because God showed up in a powerful way. I mean, Solomon went all out. It was an extravagant show of love to an extravagant God. I, I think that if they had toilet paper in those days, the toilet paper would have been gold-plated. All right. If the kids wore diapers, they would have been gold-plated diapers. Just ridiculous. Wood paneling like you would never believe. Hello, 70s in America. Except they, they played it with gold. I mean, it was, it was legit. But somewhere along the way, this temple that he built shifted from being known as the temple of the Lord to Solomon's temple. Even today, we call it Solomon's Temple. In Jesus' day, it was Solomon's Temple. Solomon's Colonnade. And you see, his riches, his wisdom, his creativity, his lavish construction projects, I think maybe they became a snare for him. I think maybe he got it a little out of line. He received recognition and accolades for everything that he did. He became more widely known. His name was synonymous with wisdom and riches. People came from around the world to, to just get a moment with King Solomon. And I, I wonder if all of that led him to write these words in Psalm 127 when he said, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. I just wonder if at the end of his life he, he came to this place and he thought, I spent billions, hundreds of thousands of people working on this place. It was beautiful. But God himself said he didn't need it. Unless the Lord builds it, the builders labor in vain. So here's what I want to tell you today. If we build the house, we labor in vain. If this new building for us, if it's all about us, if it's about our efforts and our abilities and what we do, we labor in vain. But if Jesus builds the house, then I'm telling you, church, the gates of hell can't prevail. So I've just decided I'm going to quit building God's church. I'm going to let him do that. Because he's, he's better at it than I am. He's a master builder. Wherever you are today, I, I just want you to close your eyes with me today. Let me ask you this question. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? What's he whispering to your heart? Maybe, maybe you're in charge of your life today. Maybe your life is really all about you. Maybe you're building your life. And I, I just want to ask you, are you in charge or is Jesus? Are you building your life or is Jesus building your life? Are you calling the shots in your life or is Jesus calling the shots? Because if you are, you're, you're laboring in vain. If you are, you're laboring in vain. 
if you build your life you'll get to the end of it and in the words of King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes you'll say it was all meaningless without Jesus so today if you don't know Jesus if, if he's not the one building your life if your life isn't built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and you're in charge I want to give you an opportunity right now to just let Jesus be in charge of your life to give your life completely 100% to Jesus and if that's you today I, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me all in this room at home repeat this after me say Jesus I repent I turn from my ways will you forgive me of building my own life will you forgive me give me a fresh start a new beginning will you cleanse me make me right with you today I give my life to you I surrender not my way but your way and from this day forward I want you to lead me I want you to guide me I want you to be the Lord of my life and I will live for you the best that I know how in Jesus name amen amen come on let's give God thanks right now